Good evening. Welcome to October, everybody. We are the Shot Callers Podcast, and we have put three NBA Finals games in the books. Uh, first appearance in the month of October, hopefully not our last appearance while the NBA Finals are going on. My name is Rich. I'm your host for this episode. Uh, on my digital left is my man, Andre. Say what's up to the people, Andre. Hey, what's up, people? Safe from his uh, humble abode separately, maintaining our social distance because we are still in a pandemic, let's not forget. Uh, and we are so excited to break down these NBA Finals games, make some predictions for the ones that are upcoming, keep you guys up to date on the latest news. But first, we got to start with the most important things happening in our, I guess, world. We mentioned the pandemic. Stay safe, wash your hands, maintain social distance, try to keep your health and the health of others around you as a priority. And our other priority, as you guys might know, for those of you guys tuning in repeatedly to our show, is we are so about social justice for everyone, equal footing for everyone in the realm of, you know, social interactions, as well as democracy and government in the United States or wherever you might live. So uh, we all know that the presidential election is around the corner. Today, Andre tells me, is the last day for you to have gotten registered to vote uh, in this upcoming election. Make sure you're for Texas, uh, yeah. at the very least. We're going to put a link for other deadlines for other states in our show notes. Uh, so if you guys are unsure, let us be your resource. Let us help you figure that out. And we had, a, I guess, a bit of news come out from the Atlanta Hawks that didn't really fit, in my opinion, in the up or down news category. We wanted to shove it right here at the front, at the top. And what was it, Andre? What happened uh, with the Atlanta Hawks? So the Atlanta Hawks organization has announced that they're going to be uh, introducing a new jersey which will be to honor martin luther king so given the current climate of the country everything going on in terms of black lives matter and creating awareness of racial injustice i think it's a good sign for the martin martin luther king's uh, hometown to pay tribute to him and you know just kind of bring more awareness to that which will extend past this season and going forward so yeah and then even then the, mm-hmm. yeah yeah even then the, the jerseys look pretty dope They're black and gold with mlk uh in the front for yeah, each and a oh, yeah great looking little signature at the little tagline at the bottom right of the jersey look looks great uh nike of course is the sponsor and kind of the, i guess the designer of these jerseys for the Atlanta hawks debuting them whenever the next season starts off and it's pretty cool because martin luther king <clears throat> jr day the most the thing that I think about when people say that is that I love watching all the NBA basketball that happens on that day. Usually four games, five games, a lot of good games on that day. It's a showcase Monday, uh, lots of great shoes coming out at that time, but we want to think about more of the impact in our general lives and how we conduct ourselves. So I think it's great to spread that out for an additional time of the year, not just in that February. And then another note from the Atlanta Hawks Nike release video of those jerseys is that proceeds from the sale of that Jersey will go to support economic empowerment programs for Atlanta's communities of color. And like we always say, once we get wind of exactly how that empowerment is going down, we will try to give you guys more tangible evidence of that happening. So uh, just by me saying that, I hope that puts a little bit of onus on uh, these companies to be transparent about where that money is going, where those proceeds are are affecting change. Definitely, definitely. Helps the cause. Go vote. And if you can, uh, safely vote. Go vote at your local NBA arena uh, if they're open um, for you and your community. Vote. Drive someone else to vote. Help others vote that can't help themselves. And make sure we all make our presence known at the polls uh, and vote and exercise your right. And with that, uh, anything else you got to say or should we move on to the next segment, Andre? We can, let's keep it going. Let's keep it moving. Social media. 
Uh, Andre, let the people know where they can find our work. All right. So you can catch the boys over on Twitter at Shot Collars Show. Hit us up on Instagram at the underscore Shot Collars. And if you want to drop us a line and Gmail and just want to drop us an email, you got something a little bit more wordy than the Twitter character limit will allow, send us an email at shotcollarshow at gmail.com. I will read the whole thing. Please send us as lengthy of an email as you would like to. Leave us a review via Apple Podcast if you uh, if you listen to us on that platform. Really appreciate it. It keeps us uh, kind of on the top of mind or top of the search results whenever people search the shot callers. We don't want to get beat out by any uprisers or newcomers. We want to be there for anyone that's looking for the NBA. So please leave those five-star reviews. Leave us any feedback. Leave us a shout-out. We're going to read the entire review on the podcast if you leave us one. So that's the number yep. one way for you to get in on the show. So uh, with that, letting them can't forget, Can't some- forget YouTube, too. So we don't have an exact YouTube link, but you can catch us there. The video of the podcast, Shot Caller Show, you can catch the boys. We dropped a link on Twitter. Follow us there. You get all the updates. So. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So with that housekeeping out of the way, thank you guys. Let's go ahead and get on to our news segment. And if you guys have been tuning in in recent episodes, you know we're going to kind of take a a brisk pace to this one. We're going to say what qualifies for y'all's listening time. And if it's not uh, that pressing or we think that we're going to be able to get more information in the future, Andre's going to deem it with a keep it moving. We're going to just keep it moving. You know how we do it. So this is where I'm going to give you guys a little bit of an intro. Andre just deems it whatever he deems it, and we keep it rolling from there. All right. So as you guys might have noticed from our, I believe our last episode, Doc Rivers' tenure with the L.A. Clippers came to an end, and but 24 hours later, it's like when you, you know, you end a relationship with one girl, and then you turn around, and she just has a new boyfriend right the next minute. Like what? Like was that happening beforehand? Did, was the groundwork already laid? Doc Rivers is now the official head coach of Andre's favorite team, the Philadelphia 76ers. Is this news, Andre? Yeah. <laughs> That's like the guy's the way. guy's like failing upwards. So <laughs> uh, it's weird because, you know, the whole argument for the 76ers was you want accountability in the locker room. Like the team needs a leader. But you look at the Clippers collapse and that was kind of maybe their whole thing was the lack of a leader, lack of locker room control. So we'll see. We'll see if it's uh, if 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 uh, if Doc can institute, you know, build a culture and get something going with those Sixers guys. He's definitely got the talent, but um, it'll be interesting to see if they can come together and learn to play more cohesively, consistently uh, and get a good offense running. So he can at least string an offense together. I think it's. All right, news. I mean, good get for the Sixers. I'm not sure who else they would have went. Who I don't know who. Who do you think they could have got? Rich. I don't. Uh, Dan Tony definitely is uh, not a fit with no shooters. Uh, I don't think that he's not. I mean, I'm not sure if he's not a fit. Of course, I'm not an NBA front office executive. I think they definitely could have landed him, depending mm-hmm. on what the front office wanted to do with the roster going forward, or what they felt they had the flexibility to do. Um, but the quote that kind of sticks out to me uh, as being foretelling of what might happen in the future is doc said i was gonna take a break (laughs) but then the sixers called me and they said you would you like to come coach for us and i said with athletes like joel Embiid and ben simmons there's no way that i couldn't do it you know Mm -hmm. what i mean so if he's gonna be you know attending i think he attended a a football game no he was watching the finals they they watched game one they watched game one yeah they wined and dined him you know they went to watch the game but we're really talking the whole time getting to know each other you know everyone's made that move before 
been on yeah, that first date. Her out. Yeah. Exactly. And things are just going so smoothly. You're like, oh, I got to just sign myself up for a second date or, you know, 82 dates or whatever, whatever's going to happen uh, for Doc Rivers. But he said, I got to do it. So that tells me that whatever they were saying in that meeting, they're saying we're not going to be making any substantial moves on the trade Joel Embiid, trade Ben Simmons front. So all those guys that are saying that all the time, that you got to trade one of them, you might as well shut your mouth now because it's not going to happen, at least not before whatever trade deadline there is is coming up. It's not going to happen in the offseason. Yeah, I think the quote, the quote Doc threw out was like they've won 62% of their games together. So, yeah, they're they're sticking around for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. So maybe we'll news. see what happens on the see fringes. Exactly. Yeah. Could be news. Could be news. All right. So uh, back on the East Coast, we seem to talk about the Eastern Conference a lot on this show and that's not what i would imagine when we started this not many shakeups in the west right Mm, i guess not yeah it seems like highly telegraphed but uh i think it kind of flew under the radar for our episode steve nash has been introduced as the brooklyn nets head coach uh over the past few weeks kind of surprising a lot of people because he doesn't have a lot of official head coaching experience he's been an assistant player development coach or advisor advisory role for the warriors uh epic title runs for at least the past three or four years uh, and so what that brings me to is a quote that came out from Kyrie Irving this weekend during a podcast this past weekend Ooh, saying, quotes. yeah, and they're always good, right? It always gives you some material. So anytime Kyrie, Kyrie is a favorite podcast follow because he always gives us some material no matter what he says. So Kyrie Irving speaks on the coaching situation. I don't really see us having a head coach. KD could be a head coach. I could be a head coach. Jock Vaughn could be a head coach, who's the assistant that was previously interim head coach for the Nets during this uh, bubble run. So is this news, Andre? Are we throwing shade at, at Steve yeah, Nash? Really, What's going on here? Really makes you think, man. What What is the head coach <laughs> to you, Richard? Uh, <laughs> I think it's the guy that literally has the title. <laughs> like, come on. I mean, hey, we can all just take turns. You know, man, we don't really need one. I don't know, man. Kyrie, they should – they really need a uh, – I don't know. Uh, what are they going to do? <laughs> take the mic away from him, man. You need to, he needs to run his lines by his agent or something before he says anything. But so you're we're going to see, man, it's a little, it's a little shade thrown to Steve Nash, a little, a little bit of disrespect. I kind of feel, but so you feel like he, he meant to disrespect a little bit, like kind of, he might not have intentionally, but it comes off that way. Right. Steve Nash seems like a very humble guy, also yeah. a very confident guy. So I think it was def- this comment is going to roll off his back, and he's not even yeah. going to, you know, try to have any kind of friction by even addressing it. I think we're just, he's going to yeah. let it roll, play it cool. Uh, he's known as Mr. Teammate. You know, he's he's right. the one that instilled high five everybody in the world when he was playing on the Suns. You know what I mean? That you the thing need- is, this is going to be a volatile team, so he's going to have to, you know, put the strap up the boots and you know, lay down the discipline for these guys to keep them together. Cause depending on who you talk to, I don't know if that team really has that alpha leader person who can really do it. You got people who want to take that role and want to be that guy, but who's going to be the Sometimes. guy to keep everyone together. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's going to have to be able to be ready to call them dudes out. Gotcha. So. Gotcha. So Andre says that this is news and something for us to watch going forward. So, uh, next up in our hometown of Dallas, Andre, uh, in unfortunate news, maybe fortunate depending on how you look at it, given recent developments, Delonte West was actually photographed on Instagram, uh, panhandling, asking for spare change uh, on, I think, I-75 or at a gas station in, in Dallas. Um, you know, seeking help, looking really disheveled, really distraught, uh, down on his luck, you know, not clean, dirty, you know, hungry, 
every full of despair really and that tweet that instagram post went viral especially around the dallas area people were looking for him people were calling out nba players nba owners saying you can't help this guy this is what you guys do to your ex-players and since then mark cuban picked him up and checked him into a rehab facility yeah he's in Uh, rehab in florida now i think exactly exactly got in contact with his mother we've given you guys kind of the gist of it all we don't have many updates past that uh what do you say about this one andre uh, not really news, but it's a good thing. It's a nice thing to hear. Um, you hate to hear about, you know, a former player who's hard on his luck, dealing with mental illness, out of touch with his family. But it's good to see the Dallas community and ownership come out and help him and kind of, you know, steer him right back on track. So it's just a pleasant story. Not much to hear outside of that. Yeah, I don't always hear a lot of positive stories about my hometown, to be honest. Uh, you know, Cowboys lose all the time and just general Depending on who you ask, that could be a positive story. So I guess so. I guess so. So <laughs> we'll keep it moving. Uh, and so this is something that doesn't have a tweet associated with it, but in the first two games of the NBA Finals, when the Heat had like the worst, most horrendous look possible in Game One, you know, had a good offensive showing in Game Two, but still took a beat down in the box score, lost, went down 0-2. The turn in the talk inevitably turned to who's going to be Finals MVP. Is it going to be Anthony Davis? Does that tarnish LeBron's legacy? No matter what Anthony Davis does, if he's averaged 40 points a game, 25 rebounds, and 10 assists, is he going to get the is LeBron going to get the Finals MVP anyway? Because that's what he deserves and is right for his legacy. Is this squabble between which guy is going to get the most glory? Is this worth our time, Andre? Is this news? Does it matter for for anybody involved? Not really. The player said. We don't get jealous of each other, so why do other people create narratives? So I don't think it's that big a deal. Whoever gets it, gets it. I can see it going either way, honestly. They're both very important to the team. Um, 1A, 1B, you can choose who wants to be the A and the B, but they're pretty equal in terms of importance to me, so it don't matter. So you're saying keep it moving. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. All right, next up, next up. Vanessa Bryant, uh, widow of Kobe Bryant, uh, may he rest in peace actually is filing a lawsuit with the Los Angeles County uh, Sheriff's Department over some photographs that were shared, uh, I guess, over social media, fresh after the uh, accidental helicopter crash that took the lives of many innocent victims, including the helicopter and uh, pilot uh, Gigi or Gianna Bryant and Kobe Bryant. And uh, Vanessa Bryant was distraught to find these uh, images were being shared, and that it violate it actually didn't violate uh, sheriff county guidelines, saying that you cannot share uh, photographs from a crime scene. However, this being an accident scene, I guess there was some sort of loophole and some, you know, predatory persons were sharing these photos. Uh, what do you think about this, Andre? I mean, it's shameful to see. You you want to hold people or held to a higher standard than that, and you know sensitive to the families and other people involved. Or, mm-hmm. But I mean, it is what it is. I hope she gets some kind of justice for this. I wouldn't say this is news, but this is just it's sad to see. I just hope everything goes well for her. Yeah, it's um, despicable uh, uh, because you want to have empathy for others. You know, think of yourself in that person's shoes, that family member's shoes that has to get that news, and to kind of relate it to a. 100% more lighthearted topic. Like you can listen to interviews from Adrian Wojnarowski where he has to report news of a trade of a player and sometimes doesn't have the time to inform the player that he's going to be traded. So he has right. to 
put that information out on Twitter, and that guy has to uproot his family, move him across the country, whatever promises were made for school or whatever might have been for his family, he's got to kind of uproot it without having advance notice. And if that can make someone feel bad when it's definitely just business, imagine right. the feeling of something that's more Life important death, than right. anything related to the business world. So just got to say, uh, have have a heart, people. Have some empathy. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the number one thing. And then to wrap up our let's keep it moving, Andre. To wrap up our keep it moving new keep it moving news segment, we got a little hint of some Lin sanity. Uh, Jeremy Lin has let us know that he is planning to end his career. I think in the Chinese Basketball Association, the second biggest league, uh, you know, as far as scope uh, in the world, as far as basketball is concerned, and prepare for free agency and making his eventual return to the NBA should a team pick him up. Is this news? Take it any way you want. Is it news for a team? Is it news for you as a fan? Is it new for news for, or is it not? It's I guess it's news for some people out there. Uh, for me, like he he went to the finals last year. Like he had a chance to you know go back in free agency and get signed. I don't know if he did that or if he said he wanted to retire and go to China, but now he's back. So if there's any team out there that feels like they can benefit from having a veteran guard who's 34 years old and maybe not as effective as he would have been younger. I guess it's good to hear, but for me being a Mavs fan, not, not much news for me. <laughs> so he says, I, I don't moving. need him on my team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I think something that was said was like, great news. Somebody should pick him up. <laughs> Just right. Not my team. <laughs> not my team. All right. Uh, I think, you know, if Mike Miller can find his way into a, onto a roster at age like 38, 39, uh, I think, you know, you can definitely say somebody could use a, a beneficial, you know, veteran, teach the young guys how to exercise, you know, keep guys in shape, keep them in line, sort of imp- calming presence in the locker room. That'd mm-hmm. be cool. You think the Kings could use some good influences? I think so. I think maybe on the coaching staff. The Hawks just lost. Uh, <laughs> the Hawks just lost. Uh, <laughs> the Hawks just lost uh, Vince Carter to retirement. So that that was a good calming presence, although he was getting buckets, man. He was scoring. Um, so yeah, let's keep it moving. But, uh, I guess the shot callers say somebody should sign that guy. <laughs> we, we don't know who. All right. So with that, let's get to the nuts and bolts of it all. Andre, we've had three games in the books. As I said, at the top of the show, we're getting to the main segment here. Please take your time. Tell us anything or everything that you want to say about how you felt going into this series. Maybe after game one, maybe after game two. Game three happened with a historic performance by Jimmy Butler. I'm sure we'll talk about that plenty as it being the most fresh in our minds. Uh, what do you want to regale us with uh, to start off, Andre? Man, honestly, game one was like a nightmare for the Heat. Like it's So it starts off as a dream. Everything's going well. Mm-hmm. They get that 13-point lead, right? Yep. It was like the, terrific. Turnovers Lakers, galore. Lakers, Lakers timeout. They go on that incredible run. Um, Dragic leaves the game first. Jimmy, I think his ankle, tears his ankle, turns his ankle a little, so he has to go to the bench. Bam, the shoulder. Um, just injuries start hurting him, and then the, the Lakers just start reining it in, throwing it to AD. Turnaround jumper, can't stop it, can't beat it. Um just a nightmare for them to lose all their players like that and to have been holding the lead. So like solidly in the first quarter, um, I mean, it's hard to see because honestly my expectations, I, I gave you guys 
my expectations last week. I thought the Lakers would win in five, five, five or six, five or six. But after that first game, it looked really, really bad. And this is before uh, the announcements for Dragic and Bam not playing. So Hero was out, just off. He couldn't nail a shot. He got a lot of good looks. He just couldn't make a shot. Um, Duncan Robinson, both were off. Uh, it just things just weren't going well for them. Uh, and Anthony well, Davis was was scorching the earth. He yeah, was 10% he was at one point or think, 9% yeah, yeah, from yeah. the field. Shooting, I think he's shooting. He was shooting like fifty percent from mid range um, before game three. So like he was unstoppable. Just Michael Jordan right there. Um, it was it, it was crazy because I think he usually shoots about thirty six percent on those mid range jumpers. So to see him be unstoppable like that, it's like what can you do? LeBron gets the ball top of the key, pass the AD, and then can't do anything. And then the Lakers hit that barrage of threes, like breaking. <laughs> you never see them shoot like that, but yeah, LeBron gets like, them plenty of. They get plenty of open looks, but they never drain the shots. Right, so. right, right. And it's like you know, you think to yourself, as uh, anybody that's going up against the Lakers, the Nuggets thought this, the uh, Rockets thought this. Who did they play in the first round? The Portland Blazers yeah. thought this too. They said, "All right." We're going to throw double teams as much as we can. Anthony Davis, anytime he's anywhere near the goal, we're going to throw uh, doubles anytime LeBron tries to drive to the post. And he's going to score anyway. But if he passes out, we will live with Alex Caruso, Kyle Kuzma, Danny Green trying to shoot these shots. And, and what, like you they're lived making with them. It. You lived with it. They lived with it. And they died too. Like they got killed. <laughs> like K-I-L-T killed. Everybody on the killed. Lakers that played – Made a three. Even Quinn Cook. Go look at the scoreboard. Anybody that might have tuned out, go look again. Look at that scoreboard right there. Uh, Quinn Cook scored. Uh, he, he made his three. Marcus Morris made his threes. Uh, Danny Green was making threes. Everybody was raining it in from all sides. It was just a. It was like in 300 when the sky, when the arrows filled the sky and blotted out the like sun. The sun you, yeah. you couldn't see the sun. No way. <laughs> It was ridiculous. It, it's uh, just one of those games, man. If if every role player is hitting threes, you can't win. Mm-hmm. If you're and leaving the, them open, like you just can't win. That and and kind of what you said came true, Andre. You said that the, we didn't think that the uh, Heat were going to bring the zone defense out very much, um, and the Heat, but the Heat did played about I think forty percent of their possessions in zone, and they were getting gashed. Uh, those short guys at the bottom of the zone near the basket. We're getting back cut like crazy for Anthony Davis lobs, Dwight Howard lobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as – so Dwight Howard to start off game one, they were torching him. They were going right at Dwight Howard, putting him in space. He was looking like Enos Counter in the pick – Enos Counter in the pick and roll. Uh, they were driving at him, creating uh, help uh, needs for the Lakers so that they could pass out to open threes by Duncan Robinson, who was looking good in the beginning. Uh, and that run that you mentioned was looking terrific, but as soon as – Dwight Howard got subbed out. Anthony Davis went to the five, and all that shooting was on the floor, which was super hot. So it stayed true. Uh, even Rondo's making threes out there. Yeah, it was. You made it more hesitant to help off those guys, and Anthony Davis was able to feast and just have so many easy buckets. And that's not a knock on Anthony Davis for saying that his attempts were easy. Just because you're not fading away over two guys, uh, you know, in the mid range, doesn't mean that you're not an elite scorer. An elite scorer makes it as easy for themselves as possible. Uh, right. Just like the Rockets say threes and twos, LeBron saying, I'm just going to lay it up any, every time that I can, just get, drive to the rim. Or Steph, Steph Curry, he shoots all the threes with ease. Why would he shoot anything else? Uh, so crazy. It was a 
terrific display of, of athleticism, cohesiveness, and then getting out in the fast break. Kind of, I think, was what I was mentioning in last episode, too. Yeah, uh, streak, yeah. yeah streak it down the floor. Uh, even on made baskets, made free throws, those Lakers were leaking out and almost almost cherry picking on every opportunity that they could. So yeah, pretty game, much. Like uh, I don't I don't want to cut you off, but like game oh, two, good. LeBron had what like ten assists, zero turnovers. He had two turnovers in the first between the first two games, all mm-hmm. of them in game one. Mm-hmm. And it, I think what both of them were in that first before they went on that thirteen zero run. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because yeah, they so. looked bleak at first, but we're yeah. moving over to game two over here. And and I thank you for that because it lets me highlight the stat line you mentioned: thirty three points. Nine rebounds, nine assists, one steal, one block, fifty-six uh, percent shooting overall. Two for five from the three-point line, so or from the free throw line, which is his only like blemish on the on the resume there for LeBron. And it kind of it almost uh, pales in comparison to Anthony Davis, thirty-two, fourteen, one and one, fifteen for twenty shooting, seventy-five percent field goal percentage. And how many of those are from mid-range? God, that's still crazy. Oh, <laughs> and some of those misses were from when he missed, got his own rebound and put it back. You know, sure, you got to yeah. tally up a miss on that. Yeah. He was 14 for 15. And I was like, there's no, nobody could, nobody, yeah. the, the, K, the KD Warriors couldn't stop this. I don't think, you know, it was, it was out of this world. He looked out of his own body. It was, it was awesome to watch. Yeah. Um, and then on the other side, we've been talking about the Lakers so much. We've been kind of singing their praises and deservedly so, but Anybody that watched those first two games are burying the Heat, of course, uh, and that's not surprising. But the Heat played well on offense that game. They couldn't get a handle on the defense. Um, They shot 50% from the floor, 40% from three in that game, and 90% from the free throw line as a team. And they still lost by 10. Like, that's how on all cylinders the Lakers were playing and how, you know, a, a testament to how uncharacteristically weak the Miami Heat were showing on defense in that game. So I thought that was uh, crazy to watch and still very entertaining, but not the result that a fan looking for outright excitement that maybe isn't looking at the subtleties is going to enjoy. So a little bit of a letdown as far as watching goes. Uh, and that's, that that's just how injuries go, man. They they ruin what could be a, a super good matchup, especially this, this highlight of the season, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they brought it back game three. Um, you can tell that they really didn't want to. They didn't want to go down three and uh, and Jimmy Jimmy Butler, man, that dude turned it on. I think what was that? He had a was the net rating of fifty two that game. That sounds that's, correct. That, it was second out of the world. It's second all time for uh, and he and he couldn't rest game? like as soon as I don't think the I don't think the Heat even scored buckets when he wasn't on the floor. Like they were just losing in those minutes. And there was a moment at the start of the third quarter where Spolstra wanted to rest or started fourth quarter where Spolstra wanted to rest Jimmy Butler a little bit. And it was like 11 minutes and 24 seconds left. And they're like, oh, you got to get up, Jimmy. You got to get back in here. We can't survive without you. Right. Um, he was he was a, a marvel to watch. Uh, he reminded me of the game that I've referenced on this show two times before. He had a game in Chicago where he scored two points in the first half and 38 points in the second. And it was all driving to the rim, all getting contact, going to the free throw line, mid-ranges. Jimmy Butler can knock down big shots. He's not afraid of the moment. We've seen him make big threes. However, he is not the most skilled shooter from any range that he chooses to shoot from. So on nights like you saw on Sunday night, where he did have the range and the touch that night, even the toughest shots were looking easy. Little step back, 
three foot away over LeBron James shots when LeBron James is switched onto him as the primary defender. Oh, and before we go all the way into game three, I said that the Heat had a mischaracteristic, you know, intensity level on on defense. Yeah, man. Anytime that the uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis and whoever's running the pick and roll wanted to hunt whatever matchup they wanted, they'd call up Tyler Hero's guy to set the screen, and the Heat were not fighting. They were just giving up whatever switch they wanted, saying, all right, we're going to switch. We're not going to fight that hard over these screens. And the Lakers were feasting. So just giving away, squandering that offensive brilliance that the Heat were showing, where everybody was getting good shots, generating good, generating good looks from gravity. Uh, that guys like Duncan Robinson uh, produced. And so I take us back to that to compare us to game three, where uh, the Heat were tenacious. They were all over Anthony Davis. They were fronting him in front of him. They had a big guy behind him to defend the lob pass. I was killing him in previous games. Great adjustment by the Heat defense, Udonis Haslam and, and Eric Spolster coaching all together. Um, I thought that was terrific. I thought that they were not giving away that switch easily. Duncan Robinson, and uh, as soon as that screen came with Duncan Robinson's man, they would double LeBron a little bit, try to get it forced out of his hands, and then rotate properly so that Duncan Robinson could get back to whatever man he could, back to safety, to make the Lakers burn more time off the clock to try to do that thing again where LeBron tries to pick on the weakest defenders in Hero and Robinson. So Jimmy Jimmy Butler's going to get the headlines, but as a team, they backed him up because the Lakers were in it, Andre, don't you think? They were they within were. striking distance the whole time. Oh yeah, yeah, the whole time. They could have they could have brought that back. That was up until the last 3 minutes, they were still in that game. Um even then, like the last 2 minutes really. But um another thing that you probably didn't touch on was uh they got a lot more offensive production out of Kelly Olynyk in game 3. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, dude, he was I don't have that written down for him. I don't have his ex, his, his exact stats, but what I do have written down is that he was rebounding Less like a guard and more like a big man. He was boxing out, getting two hands on the ball, putting force up there. They had lineups with Myers Leonard, Kelly Olynyk, Tyler Hero, and Duncan Robinson, uh, all the white guys with Jimmy yeah. Butler, and they were white still surviving. Hot, man. Yeah, yeah, dude, they were a white. It's because the, the scoring was so strong, man. Like Kelly Olynyk, let me see. He was shooting, yeah, fifty-five percent, three of five from three. Like he was as soon as he got, it's like he had the green light to shoot whenever he got the ball because he was just letting it rip. And, like, that is exactly what they needed from him. Because, like you said, um, well, in the first two games, they kind of had the offense. But in, in this game three, they they were really struggling outside of that. And between him and Jimmy, um, they mostly carried the offensive load. So they needed more production for people who weren't just out there in the start. So Kelly Olenek was a good offensive boost for them, helped them in rebounding. And, honestly, usually – that's LeBron's go-to guy when uh, he wants to, you know, create a place. He'll he'll have them, the person guarding or, or the person guarding. Wherever Olenek yeah. is, we're going to torture that's where him. He's, yeah, that's where he's attacking. But he kind of held his own well in game three. So uh, that's yeah, exactly said, what they needed from him. Usually he's like, uh, Olenek family, don't look at this. Don't look at what's about to happen because we're about yeah. to torch this man. Right. And, yeah, if you look at the stats, uh, something that I kind of marked down was – Duncan Robinson was four for twelve from the uh, from the field, thirty three percent, thirty three percent shooting, which is not what you think you want from someone that can easily shoot forty percent from three um, with his eyes closed. But mm-hmm. the way that the defenders, even if he's not, even if he doesn't have it going, it's the reverse Rondo effect in the right. regular season. Uh, even if Duncan Robinson isn't uh, shooting well, wherever he's out on the floor, you can go not back and look. Rondo yeah. is not even moving one step to show help defense. Uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope 
had to follow him on a pick and roll on the on the right wing, uh, go over the screen and chase him so hard that that Caldwell Pope was fully out of the play. So that when Duncan Robinson did a Draymond Green esque short roll towards the rim, it was easy. It was four on five or five on four. He had, they had the man advantage because uh, KCP had to follow him way out there. So it, that's gravity. It's not exclusive to Steph Curry and, and Clay Thompson. It can happen no, as long you as you shoot. You can shoot and cut, then yeah, you can create it. Yeah. Mm-hmm, so exactly. So. I thought I wanted... that was terrific. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was. Yeah, man. And so I said I mentioned Rondo. I wanted to mention a couple of I guess sort of dark spots because we're talking about a lot of the bright spots. Rondo, uh, who had been a heavy lifter in in the Denver series and in the Lakers series right before he, right before this, because he was getting Anthony Davis the ball in great spots off of you know spin like a he looked like a and he made Anthony Davis look like an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman sacking the quarterback. He spun off Kelly Olynyk for a lob, uh, you know just a rip swim move, looking mm-hmm. like put him in the laundry machine and then oh just jammed it on him. So Rondo does a lot of great things on offense for this Lakers team when LeBron is looking tired. Uh, he had two crazy layups. Like one of them hit like the top of the rim or the top of yeah, the. Yeah, I saw that. Man. It, it was like all the way up at the tip. They had to check yep, and see. Yep. That was and, crazy. And Mark Jackson actually had a good, you know, comment on it. He said, "If we're playing horse, just give me an H. Like I'm not even gonna try it." Uh, <laughs> he had five assists, but he missed all of his shots. He was three for. He was. He missed all three of his three three-point attempts. So that bonus found money wasn't there for him this game. Um, on the other side, Kendrick Nunn. So I like that. Spolstra keeps trying to go to him a little bit because as wonderful as Jimmy Butler is in a lot of facets, he does have his weaknesses where he's not as strong as others. He's not exceptionally fast with the ball. That's what they want Goran Dragic out there to do. And he's looking more unlikely to play with that plantar fascia tear. Uh, I don't know if we mentioned it before, but he tore his plantar fascia, which is why it looked so concerning when he hurt his foot with nobody around him. He didn't step on anybody. He didn't jump. Uh, For someone that's had a, problem like that just go back and look at joakim noah that plagued him for multiple years um but without that speed they needed it from somebody and kendrick nunn was able to sort of pop the balloon of the lakers defense and cause a little ripple where people are going to have to help because if you can't do that and type man to man you're just stuck going around the perimeter if nobody can really penetrate uh he had two early turnovers and actually ended up slipping and seeming like he hurt himself on a wet spot on the floor and it looked pretty bleak because they were going to go up possibly two points there on a, on a lay-in or maybe an add one. Turned it over, right. and then LeBron James got an add one on the other side. So it looked like a really big swing, but something I thought was worth mentioning and something I want to watch to see if Eric Spolster goes with it uh, going forward. Yeah. But yeah. Um, as as, so, as yeah, far as, uh, forward, you know. Oh, go ahead, Andre. I know. So I know um, Bam was marked as questionable for the next game. Do you, you know if he's going to be available today? Uh, I actually do. Uh, he is going to be available. And I had one more thing to kind of heap some praise on Jimmy Butler because this is a special performance that we saw on Sunday night. He is one of only three players to have recorded a triple-double, uh, 44 in, – so in 44 minutes – oh, two things I got to say about him. So in 44 minutes, Jimmy uh, put up – let's see, 40 points, 11 rebounds, 13 assists, two steals, two blocks, 70% shooting like you said – 12 for 14 from the free throw line and no three point attempts made. We will forgive the uh, obvious layups that he probably should have put in and then passed out to the perimeter for turnovers at one point. Uh, we'll forgive that. Uh, that was a terrific, 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 all-time terrific performance. performance. Yeah. All time. It's like uh, Allen Iverson. So, uh, only, 
only LeBron James and Jerry West have put up those stat lines in the finals, and Jimmy's the only one that uh, ended up having their team win as a result of those stats. Uh, LeBron's was in 2015 against the Warriors, uh, being undermanned, kind of like Jimmy Butler was in this game. And we're, you wanted to move us towards adjustments, which I do too, and this kind of leads me to it. Guess how many shots Jimmy Butler took outside of the paint uh, in Game 3? Four. He took four. <laughs> but Aww. but there were no threes. No threes. So uh, as far as adjustments go, I want to hear what you think that the Lakers or the Heat might do going forward. I got a real big obvious one uh, that we kind of alluded to already. But uh, when they're running that pick and roll with Jimmy Butler, I really think that no matter who the defender is, LeBron James, whoever it might be, uh, is going to be going under the screen, trying to entice them to shoot. Yeah, trying to force them to shoot, yeah. Uh, like I said, that Jimmy Butler isn't the fastest player in the world with the ball. It's not like Ben Simmons, uh, Giannis, or LeBron, where they're going to get that, where, where those guys get a big head of steam, and it's like dangerous to get in front of them. Jimmy Butler is going to hurt you if you try to go up to him, but he's just not quite as fast, so that's not something that I don't think he can turn to every time you go under. He's going to keep the ball moving, and if other guys don't got it going, that might bode well for the Lakers, but that's the adjustment that they make. Uh, anything so, else you want to say? I'm interested in seeing how that turns out because the the Heat they run a pretty advanced movement based offense. So if I, I wonder how long they'll that'll be effective because I know um, if the, if the Lakers sag off, I can see them having run in another action, you know, a dribble handoff where either mm-hmm. Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson runs up and Jimmy just hands them the ball after that. Yeah, and then it's kind of it's kind of chaotic. Uh-huh. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that'll be interesting. I can dip, man. Because that's how they have to run their offense, especially without Dragic. So I'm sure that's Spolster's working on ingraining that into them as well. But I mean, that's the obvious counter for the Lakers, right? You got to take what what you're given and kind of force their hand to do that. So um, at the end of the day, the guys are still going to have to make the shots. In terms of the Lakers, though, I feel like I think they would just stick to the game plan outside of what you just mentioned, right? Because they're looking would, pretty good, right? But yeah, I, looking, I think there's some obvious things that they might do to kind of swing it even more in their favor. Right. Um, and so you mentioned uh, Duncan Robinson going into the action, and we all we already talked about that gravity. But another negative on the Lakers side is Danny Green's not giving them anything. You know, he's playing good defense in transition. He's not losing his man. He's not getting burned. He's still still a very smart defender. But uh, even in game um, game three, over six from the field. No threes he, made. Over four. There was one possession where I think he got his rebound twice. Mm-hmm. He shot three times and he missed it three times. So he's, yeah, yeah, you're so right, man. He just hurting. But so if you look at the Lakers starting lineup: LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, uh, Danny Green, and Catavius Caldwell Pope. Is that is that five? One, two, three, four, five. Yes. So I think an easy substitution would be to put uh, Rajon Rondo in, get more passing. Uh, in the starting lineup so that LeBron James doesn't have to create quite as much. And if they have any kind of foul trouble on Anthony Davis, there's still some passing and facilitating to be done with Rondo in the starting lineup. And maybe he'll shoot a little bit better, uh, you know, coincidentally. So that's one thing that I think that the Lakers could do and probably should do if they want to do it more. They didn't post up LeBron James at all. He looked tired. So I wonder if that was because I mentioned at the beginning of our Game 3 kind of talk they were doing a great job on Anthony Davis defending him. Jay Crowder was fronting him. Uh, so Anthony Davis is behind me on camera. And then behind him was another big Myers Leonard or whoever could be back there. Uh, Solomon Hill got a few minutes and he contributed valiantly. Uh, so I wonder what's going to happen 
uh, on that end, if if LeBron James is going to have his legs more under him, because there was a time where uh, Kelly Olynyk kind of just stole the ball on a LeBron James drive, and when do you think? Yeah, he got two happen? steals last game, right? <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So I think they're going to put a real short leash on Danny Green. I think they're going to have an even shorter leash on J.R. Smith. Did you see that J.R. Smith like turn yeah, around yeah, away in the corner? He, Just... had, he had an open, uh, open Caruso, and he's like, nah, let me take this contested fadeaway three plank. <laughs> no overtime tonight. <laughs> Ball game. But, uh, but yeah, so I think that's, uh, I think that's great. Uh, the Heat went away from their man and man. They went away from their zone defense. They played very limited zone defense. They play more man to man, and mm-hmm. that's what kind of goes with that cliche of make them feel you. That you uh, that you hear a lot of guys saying that the Miami Heat weren't making the Lakers feel them. And man to man, obviously, is very easy to get a body on someone because you know exactly who you gotta box out. So maybe that contributes to it. Uh, and then yeah, and so I think that's kind of where I think we're gonna see. Oh, and then the number the number one adjustment that he can make: bring back Bam Adebayo if he's healthy, and we hear he's healthy, so. I think that's the obvious one. Yeah, definitely. You need uh takes take some of the load off of Jimmy and off the the guys cutting and stuff too. Um, I mean they're still gonna have to do that, but yeah, he he just brings so much to the game for them that like he, you need him right now. The the team yeah. exhausted. So he's another person to facilitate. He's another person that is strong as fuck. A good Hopefully, rebounder, he defender, a great rebounder. Yeah, defender. Hopefully, he can put some fouls on Anthony Davis if you're a fan of the Heat. Uh, and you know, just going to the free throw line, like there's so many benefits to doing so. You know, you stop the clock, put some points on the board. If you're down, kind of catch up without the clock moving. Uh, you get minuscule rest for your guys, and you get to set your defense. The Lakers are surprisingly fast, something that I didn't think was going to be said about them when I was watching them during the regular season, looking kind of old, but they're fast because they got to be. Their offensive in the half court isn't always great when when their guys aren't don't have it going astronomically well. So mm-hmm. when Jimmy Butler's going to the line, it's a much better chance that he could set in a defensive rotation or formation properly, especially with Bam out there hopefully getting some fouls drawn as well and not getting into foul trouble himself. Although... Myers Leonard, the Coors Light King, flexing all over everybody, looking all tough, playing good, uh, playing good help side defense, being positive, uh, keeping spirits high even in this bleak situation. Just want to shout him out, uh, doing a great job chugging the Coors on the sideline or uh, between games <laughs> on the sideline. <laughs> so that's all as far as uh, adjustments go. One final adjustment: have Coors Light available for Myers Leonard. Maybe it's like his secret stuff. Yeah, his <laughs> secret stuff. Whew. All right, so. With you all got that today? said, who you got? Oh man, I gotta make my prediction come true. So I gotta go with the Heat because if it's three to one Lakers, there's no way that the uh, Heat are gonna win three in a row, no matter who's available or not available. Because if Bam and Dragic were magically available for this game, um, they gotta play well. On top of that, you know what I mean? They can't be minuses. There's two steps to the process. They're not just magically healed. Uh, so I gotta take the Heat. I think that the uh, adjustments and the uh, the heat tenacity, I think it'll it's gonna carry over now that they've kind of drawn blood. We didn't even mention Tyler Hero having a bad having a bad shooting performance, but still coming up in the clutch, having the confidence. You know, insert three cliches here about not being afraid of the moment, being a young guy, being 20 years old, rookie, yeah. uh, all that stuff. Having the snarl, do your best uh, snarl What's for Tyler fire? Hero, Andre. What's the best one right here? Which one was it? I, I can't even do it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah so um i think that it's going to carry through 
going for a tied series and that's all you could really ask for for as bleak as it was going to go so go ahead and give us a rain on our parade andre what's gonna happen this game he gonna lose (laughs) (laughs) no i can yeah the heat are gonna lose okay okay so i think actually yeah the heat are gonna lose they're gonna lose this one win the next one and then lose again I'll still even take that over what would have probably been a, a sweep without Jimmy Butler's heroics. Um, so, okay, this episode, I'm going to try to get it up as fast as possible. We started uh, recording at 6.20 p.m. Central Time. The game's going to start at 8 p.m. Central Time. So if you are, you know, avid listeners, our loyal fans, if you're going to listen to it same day, that's terrific. If you can listen to it tomorrow, that's great, too, because you can hear what we were wrong about, what we might have been right about after you guys watch the game. Whatever feedback you guys have in terms of that or something you want to add to the discourse, please tweet us. Please let us know on, you know, in Gmail, any kind of format that you want to. We love talking basketball all the time, not just with each other, but with, with you guys, too. So let us know. Give us some listener questions. And now that we've wrapped up those predictions and our main digest of the NBA games, let's get to our listener mail, Andre. All right. What we got? All right. This time, our listener mail comes from Alex Romero. So, oh, and I kind of, I think I misread this a little bit. So, if the mascots were basketball players, so the NBA mascots, Stuff the Magic Dragon, uh, Rocky the Mountain Lion from Denver, uh, the Sun's Gorilla. The Sun's Gorilla. But you didn't know the question. Oh, did I say the question? If there were basketball players, who would be the most dominant? Yeah, who would be the most dominant? All right, who do you got, Andre? Who's the most dominant mascot? Man, let me look at these guys. Cause I I didn't honestly didn't know all these mascots, right? Like Mavericks, we have two. We have Mavs Man and Champ, but neither of them are very dominant. So <laughs> look at looking at these guys. I'm thinking, y'all seen Brooklyn Knight? I didn't know that dude. I didn't yeah, know he, he has, was the mascot. He looks like got, a superhero, man. He's got a sword. Dude, he got a sword look, and a cape and a Sixers, shield. The Sixers have hip hop, the bunny. Wait, they got a bunny? I thought they had that bulldog. Yeah, they got Pierre the Pelican. You know, the, since his uh, Pierre, see, Pierre, Pierre's like uh, second place. He's runner-up. Bernie the Heat? The guy Wait, who looks like... The, Bernie? The, oh, he looks like yeah. uh, the... The orange, like, uh, the guy from... The Philadelphia. You know, from every... Yeah, yeah the Philadelphia guy. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Nah. All right, so you got to give us your answer. No, nah, I'm Who's telling you, it's Brooklyn, dominant... it's Brooklyn Knight, because he got a gun. And he got a shield and sword, and he looked—he looked like Slade. He has a gun. Are you sure? He looks like Deathstroke. It, it might just be the cannon, the shirt cannon, but that looks like he got a utility belt, and he pulled that out. If you get saucy, it's... I don't know, man. So if, I got three kind of contenders for this title. Look uh, at Brooklyn so, Knight, bro. D- no, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't care about that anymore. <laughs> Stuff nah. the Magic Dragon. Does he get to have the Funky Duck from the? Uh, from the dunk contest with Aaron Gordon, where he dunked over him, does he get to scoot around on the scooter? You got to tell me, otherwise it informs my decision. No, you can't have no. Okay, so with no, no with no funky, no duck, scooty puffs. You you got to go to Benny the Bull Classic. He learned from the best. He learned from Michael Jordan, but they've changed the guy inside the mascot. There's a lot less acrobatics and crazy antics going on from Benny the Bull. Doesn't so, he get like beat up by Robin Lopez? Everyone does. That's that's different. It's about the mascots, <laughs> not the NBA players. Uh, and so the real last one, the real best one, as far as dominant, I got to be a homer here. It's Mavs man. At first I thought who was going to win a fight. 
I would have said the gorilla because you're not going to take down a silverback gorilla even if you get it's the not gorilla. No way, it's not him. It's Mavs man. He is a basketball. His basketball, his skin is a basketball. He's Please. one with the game. He's going to win. Punch in the rim. He can do anything he wants. He can shoot threes. He can cross you over. He can do the sham god. So yeah, Homer pick. I'm picking the Mavs man. What? He's still creepy as hell. Yeah, you're right. But we're not talking <laughs> about that. You don't even yeah. want to foul him. You don't want to touch him. Yeah, you don't want to touch him. It's, it's like that. It's like that guy that's playing. He's gonna be playing shirts versus skins. You know he's skins. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like that guy that's all sweaty. You don't want to touch him. It's COVID nineteen. He's gonna dominate. He can shoot from wherever he wants. He can go to the hole. He's gonna dunk all over your whole team. You can get the Maz gorilla. You can get the gorilla. The fucking Sir Brooklyn Knight. You can get that. You can get Clippy. The L.A. Clipper. What about? What about Sir CC from Cleveland? No, Cle- we don't care about the Cleveland Cavaliers. Your sword does does, does nothing. That's a foul. You can't cut. <laughs> That's uh, a foul. You can't cut this basketball skin. Hey, it's for hard, real though, hard Blaze, the, Blaze the Trail Cat got game though. Yeah, you're Respect. right. But not the most dominant. He can be on our team though. He can be on the Maz Man's team. He can be the point guard. All right. Somebody's got to pass him the ball, get the rebounds. All right. So thank you for that lighthearted question, Alex. If you guys have any questions like that, serious or silly, please let us know. Andre, I'm going to put you on social media duty one more time. Did you have something to say? Uh, did you know that the Cleveland Cavaliers have another mascot named Whammer? Yeah, yeah, but he's, like, in the archives. He's, like, under yeah. the stadium. They, they only yeah. unearthed him during, like, Oh, shit, yeah, you don't want to nights. talk about one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's Halloween time. <laughs> Actually, it's spooky month right now. If there was a season going on anytime soon, maybe we would see uh, him. But Summoning Whammer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But nah, you can check us out. Uh, if you got any more questions or fan mail you want to drop us a line, uh, hit us up on Twitter at shotcollarshow.com. You can hit us up on Gmail at shotcollarshow at gmail.com and hit us up at Instagram at the underscore shotcollars. We're putting the poll up immediately about uh, mm-hmm. the outcome of this game so, so you guys can just weigh in and see if you guys are right as along with Andre or if you guys are right along with me. So... We'll see how the votes go. Uh, game one was astoundingly heat-centric, but we all know how that worked. <laughs> so we'll see We'll see what happens. Thank you guys for following us on social media. Please tell your friends. The number one recommendation, the number one thing you can do for our show is just let someone that you know that likes basketball know about our show. Tune them in. Uh, shout-outs to new listeners that we know have joined the nation, Eric. Uh, so shout-outs to him. And if you guys can spread the word, Please do. We look forward to hear, seeing you guys or having you guys listen to us on our next episode. And as and that's pretty much all I got. Any closing thoughts, Andre? Vote. Yeah, vote. Get someone else to vote. Listen to our podcast. Get someone else to listen to our podcast. Those are the four things that are critical to us. And that's all I got for this episode. Uh, my name is Rich. And this is Andre. And we are the Shot Callers. See you guys next time. <laughs>